Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Work Alchemy podcast series on impact, talking with entrepreneurs and organizational leaders who contribute to building a more cooperative and positive future. I'm Ursula York, the host of this series. I'm a mentor to business people who want to have a positive effect on the world around them, building strong businesses by creating value for their clients, team members, and the larger world. I am so passionate about sharing with you the stories of entrepreneurs and leaders who have impact. They're inspired and energizing role models. I hope you use what you learn here to be inspired about what you can do in your business and beyond. For ongoing inspiration and support, to get clear on your impact and put it into action, enter your name and email at workalchemy.com. Today's guest in this podcast series on impact is Krista Galopoulos. Krista is a writer, artist, Sangoma, and I'll let her explain that in a moment, inspirational speaker, and guide for change living and working in South Africa. She works with the youth of Zulu communities, creating ways for them to bring their innate gifts to the world. So welcome to the podcast, Krista. I'm so delighted to have you here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So tell us how how you came to be in South Africa. You're an American, and, and the work that you're doing now is relatively new to you. Uh, can you share a little bit about your story around that? Sure. Um, I, 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 am, I am writing uh, the outline for the book, so <laughs> it's very fresh. Okay. Um, I've been here almost exactly two years since I first came to South Africa, for a month um, vacation, which I'd never done before, an extended vacation and visited different places here. Spent uh, the longest time um, on a game reserve just down over the mountains from where I am now uh, called Pinda. And I completely, well, maybe more than fell in love with it. Um, I had traveled most of the world before and had fallen in love with different places, but this was different. It's um, from day one, it's been home uh, in a way. That's powerful. It's, um, interesting. And that's seen locally. My Zulu name is Nomitlozi, which means uh, essentially her ancestors or the feminine side ancestors. Um, and the belief is that my ancestors just brought me home. <laughs> so um, I, I left South Africa from here. I made one quick stop um, with friends. And then went back to America, um, did not want to go uh, for the first time ever. Um, and uh, within a matter of days, really less than a week, I had decided to uh, come back um, rather quickly. Uh, I left here the end of November, and I was back January 1 of 2016. And uh, very um, worked with some other NGOs for a few months and with a wonderful organization called the Institute for the Healing of Memories, which was started by Desmond Tutu mm. and Father Michael Lapsley to continue healing conversations after TRC was done. Um, and those were a really important three or four months to me. And what's, um, I, what's TRC for our audience? The Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was the way um, different um, trans transgressions and issues and conflicts were resolved after apartheid ended. Um, it was a very important um, part of South African history, and I think also a very important part in the history of the human race. It's a very interesting um, um, phenomenon to, to read about. Uh, and then I, I came back here in April of 2016 and have been involved 
um, in a local Zulu community called Gwenya, Gwenya, um, ever since. Um, they, I was uh, welcomed there, and um, it's uh, we're in transition right now. I'm actually going to be working in another community closer to Durban. Um, there are some limitations because it is a very remote, very rural, very traditional uh, community. And um, my work is beginning to expand in a different direction, more oriented towards just the youth. But the time that I've spent there has been invaluable. And it, uh, it is my home. I'm a member of a family there. I'm very close with several other families. And so it's a place I'll always come back to. So you've been doing work, I know, with uh, developing a school and also a choir, working with a choir. Mm-hmm. Tell, yeah. us, tell us a bit about that. Um, the preschool is the first project that uh, uh, that uh, I undertook or we undertook. Um, I ended up, um, not because I wanted to um, have a foundation of my own, which is an NPO, um, but because other people wanted to begin helping. We needed a container for that. And that foundation is called the Saleto Gushle Foundation, which means we bring the good. The tagline being we all bring the good. The understanding being that the good is also brought by members of the community. I'm... Um, Fundamentally, having done a great deal of pro bono and um, charitable work in, in America, I'm um, very against sort of the handout um, model that's been used so much, particularly in Africa, mm-hmm. really all over the world. I think it really disempowers people and, um, and, and sets some really strange um, uh, expectations and models for a relationship between races, between, you know, church and local people or organizations and local people. And so from the very beginning in Gwenya, I tried to just really listen. Um, I have a wonderful sort of right-hand person we call him my wingman named Sinelli Twala, and he was with me from the beginning. Um, he actually <laughs> drove me uh, back and forth from the airport to Pinda in between these NGO gigs and we just talked for hours and hours and became very dear friends. He's now, I consider him my brother. Mm. Uh, and so in the process of listening in the community, there was a, um, a building that was built by the municipality for a crush, which is what they call sort of babies through five year old daycare. Mm-hmm. Here. And, um, it was standing, it was, um, run for about a year and then closed because local people couldn't pay the um, amount uh, that was required a month to pay for the teacher. And that was about um, uh, something like $5 per family. Um, And this is, you know, when I say financially challenged community, I'm not kidding. Um, So we, we uh, looked at this crash and, um, wanted to start one project so that people could get to know me and see the way I worked and, and that um, my uh, desire to work with the community in a different way. Um, this is a very visible spot up on a hill. And so um, quite quickly, I was given the building to work with. And we um, added onto it, we added um, things like steps. Right. <laughs> and, it was pretty basic and um, a kitchen so that we could feed the children because it's not unusual for children here to have maybe one meal a day. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, uh, you know, 
when I look back and some of the mistakes, I mean, well, you know, saying to the teachers, well, we'll have to make sure that uh, we that the children eat a good breakfast before they come to school, that the parents know that. And I was greeted with sort of just blank stares. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how like, things happen here. Yeah. We'll be serving breakfast and lunch. All right. Yeah, we will. Uh, so we do. Um, and added toilets and things in an outdoor kitchen. So we use the area sort of for community activities and things like that. Um, celebrations. We did Christmas there last year and things like that. Yeah. And, uh, and the, we, it's basically education through play, which is very different than the normal educational model here. Mm -hmm. It is a preschool rather than a creche. We have, um, uh, just under 30, up to 33, four and five year olds. And, um, I, I, when I think about these children when they first came and then um, think about or, or even look, I'm looking back at my Instagram feed as basically prompts for writing this book. So it's interesting to revisit those days recently. And when I think about them now, you know, it's astounding. Um, we, in addition to feeding them, which truly is really in the eyes of the community, the most important thing we do, mm -hmm. um, we uh, teach them English because the typical education model here is one that uh, that teaches um, grade R, which is kindergarten one, two, and three in the local tribal language. There are mm -hmm. 11 official languages in South Africa, mm -hmm. um, nine of them tribal. And then they, in the grade four, they are immediately dumped in every subject into English at a fourth grade level. Which and is for some reason, a huge transition. Or so down. <laughs> right can you the test scores go down so um, way down so we're trying to give them that english fundamentally which has been wonderful we teach everything in zulu and english i'm very clear that it's not an english school or an american school it's a zulu school we teach traditional dance and music um, and are hoping to add crafts and that sort of thing soon um, and that can and, really contribute to income down the road. I mean, um, you're yes. in an area that's it's fairly well-traveled by tourists, or at least nearby, so there are opportunities for them in the, in, in related to that industry. Really, there are no opportunities unless they speak good English. Mm -hmm. um, and the tourism is the number one you know, provider of income here in right. this area. We're lucky, lucky enough, I live you know, on a private game reserve. We're lucky enough to live in just some of the most gorgeous territory full of the most incredible creatures, and, um, which is another thing we try to expose the kids to because typically <clears throat> people who live in, in dual communities don't get to see any of these animals. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of adults who've never seen things that I've seen. Yeah. In a couple of years. And they can so, see them as, as nuisance animals too, because they're, oh yeah. um, they're, they interfere with crops and see in, in the normal travels of wild animals, they just eat where the food is. So, um, it's a real education for them from, I well, know from my own experience in South Africa, that's what I understand. True. And uh, more importantly, cows traditionally are the currency, um, in, in Zulu, um, communities traditionally. And so, for example, bride price is paid in cows. Lobola is, is 11 cows for, for a bride. Um, and children are also paid Lobola for in cows. And uh, um, a man's wealth is, is um, in more traditional areas still seen as cows. Even in the city, when they talk about negotiating things, it's, it's given in price of cows, although they generally use cash more often. Um, and leopards and hyenas and wild dogs 
don't pay much attention to fences and things like that. Um, And they go over them, they go under them. And so they get in the communities. And that's, you know, that's something we've dealt with um, is the impact of that on the cows Mm -hmm. Um, and, and the goats and the chickens. But the cows are, you know, beyond just their value. They're a very important part of the culture. Right. Um, so there's a lot of education on all levels to be done. I mean, a lot of what we do is educate on, on all sorts of things mm-hmm. and consult on all sorts of things. So mm-hmm. the choir that I know you've been you've been recording a CD and getting ready to mm-hmm. release that. What how how does that tie in with your um, your larger vision or efforts in the community? Right. It's actually led me to I think what my true um, calling may be here uh, and and what I'm wanting to pursue more of. The youth in the communities and youth here is considered to be 15 to 35 year olds, which was quite a shock to me when I was asked to speak on youth um, early on in the community. And I was expecting children and ended up in a dark hall with no power at the end of the day when it was dark with 500 sweaty Zulu adult athletes. Um, <laughs> it was, we still laugh about that. Day. Anyways, now I know what youth are. They are 15 to 35-year-olds. And um, the, particularly in these um, more remote communities, um, and you know, there's a whole story as to how they all, you know, during apartheid, all the Zulu communities were given the land that was least desirable. So they're, you know, further away, more difficult to get up and down the mountain, that kind of thing. And, um, the education system, um, in those communities tends to be substandard as well. And there, there's a great focus on, um, getting matric, which means essentially graduating from high school. Right. And, uh, and then going to varsity or university, which is well beyond many of these kids. Sure. Um, and you know, it's not unusual to people find people in their early twenties still in high school here. There's no cap on that, uh, trying to pass these exams. Innately, the Zulu people are incredibly creative, incredibly, incredibly talented musically, um, singing, uh, playing instruments, dance, um, incredibly artistic. And there's no, um, you know, it's sort of round pegs and square holes or vice versa. You know, they're being asked to conform to this thing that really doesn't use their own strengths, mm-hmm. um, really doesn't use perhaps what they're called to do. And, um, and this, it concerns me for a number of reasons. The Zulu tradition, like most tribal traditions, is beginning to disappear. And I would hate for that to happen. It has a lot of, there are a couple things I disagree with and think maybe it's time to phase out, but um, for the most part, it's a really rich, really incredibly um, fulfilling, rewarding um, lifestyle. And um, what happens with the youth is there is no work because everyone, you know, because of the education system, because of, you know, the limits to tours, right? you know, how many people can you use because there's no real industry here. They um, are called, as are many adults, to work away from home. So they go to Joburg or they go to Durban. Joburg's about seven hours drive away, Durban's three. And the problem is they're used to living in the middle of this mountain, you know, under very different conditions. And then they're, you know, sharing one room with six guys or something like that. Um, one of the, the first Zulu funeral that I went to when I came was a young man who was very beloved in the community and had gone to Joburg 
to uh, make earn money for his new baby. Um, and uh, a friend went to a bar and, and guys followed him home and were beating him. This guy intervened and got beaten to death. Mm-hmm. That that story, that variation, some variation of that story happens a lot. Mm. Or um, they may they may live or not be severely injured, but their the the lifestyle is so different. <clears throat> that they, they often turn to drugs and alcohol. That's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. Um, there are obviously um, you know, sexually transmitted diseases and things like that. Um, but more than anything, it sort of kills their spirit, mm-hmm. um, which disturbs me. So we're trying to find ways to use those talents and give kids ways to showcase them and hopefully make a living from those, from mm-hmm. what they're really to do. Well, and, and I, I know firsthand how, I mean, the musical talent there is just unbelievable. I, I attended a meeting that, at the Good Work Foundation, which I know you know as well, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. they just spontaneously burst into this multi-part harmony singing, and it's extraordinary to be, and they grew up with that. That's just a way of being, and to be able to harness that and, and help it work for them in terms of a source of income, that's a really powerful impact that that you're bringing. No. That's, um, it, it, it is, I mean, church is nearly all song. Mm-hmm. Um, praise songs are everywhere. People, I, I love it because music's something that I've wanted to be more a part of my life forever. Um, and it is very much a part of life here everywhere. Um, I was lucky enough to meet um, a very well-known, um, well-loved uh, Zulu gospel singer named Babo Nobo um, about uh, eight or nine months ago. And he had this dream as well, the same dream, you know, to, to kind of help the youth use their talents and, and get them out and showcase them and see what we can do with that and how far they can take it. And so he's collaborated um, with Sonelli and I. Oh, that's and, great. Um, with the foundation. So it's called the Saleti Punga Choir. And yes, we're, we are, I hope days away from the CD being fully finished. <laughs> and uh, we've recorded two videos and have <clears throat> more to go. Great. Um, which we've recorded in the community so that people can see how for all the challenges it has, it's one of the most extraordinarily beautiful places mm-hmm. I've ever been. Um, if the, I tell them all the time, if this were Northern California, the land would be worth billions and billions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But as it is, it's it's a challenge just to get up and down the mountain. Yeah. Well, and there's opportunities for touring. I know the Polokwane Choir was in Toronto, where I was living at the time, and they gave some wonderful concerts. So it's, yes. yeah. We're hoping. Yeah, that's extraordinary. Well, how mm-hmm. how is your, I mean, this is a huge shift that you've made on a personal mm-hmm. level and and you've brought so much of yourself into this work that you're doing now have your mm-hmm. how have your values informed that i mean I, I and have they shifted since you've kind of had more insight into what life is like in in the area that you're in i i always ask this because the i believe impact is an an out uh, it's a way of really showing what people value because what you hold as most important is um, is what's going to result in action uh, whether it's conscious or unconscious so mm-hmm. uh, and I know this is something that you've given you know a lot of conscious thought to could you speak a bit about that from your perspective yeah I think um I I <clears throat> my um 
entire another name that's used for me a lot um the home that i have in the community and things like that is um ubizo ubizo which means the calling so i firmly believe that i was called to be here um and i firmly believe you know i i had a great interest in africa particularly south africa particularly the zulu culture I'm hearing from older relatives, even when I was four and five years old, I wanted someone to teach me how to speak Zulu. <laughs> so, you know, make what you will of that. Um, but I think this is, I know this has been a lifelong thing. And I did try to come as a teenager and in college, and then there was apartheid and, you know, and I just sort of went on and, you know, went about my life and, and developed what many would call, you know, a dream life in America. Um, I had a, a long and largely happy marriage. Um, uh, I have a, a, a daughter who's 24 now um, and and had a, a very full life. I did a lot of volunteer work. I did um, Sangoma is the Zulu word for healer. I did a lot of healing work. And a lot of that came from my own healing. Um, I grew up under extremely difficult um, circumstances. There was a lot of abuse, a lot of psychological stuff, a lot of um, – a lot of sadness, a lot of shame, um, and from a, a lineage of that. And um, it took me until my late 30s, um, when I had a complete and total breakdown and tried to commit suicide, um, to uh, like I was mismedicated, but which I now look at as a gift because it really allowed me to kind of get my act together um, and decide that I was going to stay and decide in that staying that I was going to change things. Um, and that if I, the deal I cut with God basically in the intensive care psychiatric ward is they weaned me off those drugs that were bad for me and onto the good ones that helped me, um, was, um, that if I can be truly happy because at 37, I never really had been, um, then I will help other people, um, do that for the rest of my life. And I did, and I am, and I do, um, I helped the last eight, maybe 10 years that I was in America, I worked a lot with people who were healing from trauma, again, because of my own journey, and and, and used a very multi-sensory, um, multidisciplinary approach to that, which is what worked for me and is not so much practiced. And um, it, what I realized is just how much damage shame and jealousy and those kinds of things do those those are really potent negative forces in this world and um i, I think you know they're at the root of many of our fundamental problems as societies so what's been very interesting because the last several months have been very difficult here and it's causing me to refocus and, and i'm happy you know with the way things are headed and, and focusing more on this youth thing is that i realize that people who have never been helped, you know, what they say in the community about me is that they they had no hope until I came. Wow. Yeah. Just, just a little pressure there. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what a powerful statement to af affirm the direction well, that you're heading and even the energy that you're, you're putting out in the way you show up every single day. I mean, sometimes, I sometimes it's I not the more dramatic kind of you know, ta-da, here's this big thing, but it's rather the accumulation of how you show up. I had a, um, uh, um, 
an intern that a few people come and help and an intern from America who's in her late twenties grad student, um, very well-meaning, very well, you know, but very, um, very learned, very book taught. Um, and, uh, um, basically, basically proceed to tell every me and everyone around how I was doing everything wrong. Um, <laughs> and they were doing everything wrong and everything was wrong, which is fine. She's entitled to her opinion. Um, but, uh, what what I really do, Ursula, is I show up. I show up. I sit on the mats. I go to church. I hold babies. I love people. I I sit with all the kids all over me. Um, I I look at people's sick cows. I help people heal um, here and there. You know, I feed children. I I show up. And I'm not perfect. I make mistakes. There's a lot to learn. This is you know. To do this in your mid fifties is kind of an <laughs> um, interesting thing, um, but I'm here, and most people here know that that I'm here and I'm with them. Um, and um, there's a, there's a lot of discussion about how God made a bit of a mistake with my skin, but other than that, <laughs> that's, um, that's a great yeah. that's a great comment because it's it's so much the flip side of what we kind of um, arrogantly. Uh, tend to this perspective we kind of arrogantly see things from at times so mm-hmm. uh, that's an eye-opener yeah well in the course of doing this work i mean that uh, you know you spoke about all the things that i mean you're feeding kids you're you're being present with people in a way that's really deeply and profoundly affecting for you, for them and for you and sometimes in that kind of work it it can be so much of a calling that mm-hmm. we can we can not look after ourselves. So have you found that to be an issue? And how do you, how do you work with that within yourself in terms of taking great care of your energy so that you can continue to, to show up in the way you want to? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The the putting the, the oxygen mask on yourself first. Uh, That has, um, I was raised to believe that I was put on this earth to take care of other people, including my own parents. Mm. So this has been a big part of my journey is to learn exactly what you're talking about. Interesting that you bring that up. And I had gotten better at that. I was very, very sick for much of my adult life, <clears throat> Lyme disease for 20 years, mm. cancer a couple times, brain injury. I mean, really, yeah. really sick. Yeah. Walked around. I walked around taking care of my child, doing what I did, with my neck broken in two places for 13 months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This, this, this is what child abuse will do is give you a hell of a pain threshold. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's just a little bit of a challenge. (laughs) Well, Um, well, it's about push through, persevere, you know, ignoring your own intuition and your own feelings. And, uh, that can be so, so draining and damaging. Well, and it's really quite backwards, um, uh, uh, you know, what I'm here to do. Um, I, I do, I believe, and I, I used to teach meditation. I'm going back to doing some of that now. And um, and I really believe in self-compassion. I really think that, you know, the antidote for most ills that the world holds is self-compassion. And, you know, that all that shame and jealousy can't really exist if you have compassion for yourself to the extent that it does. So... I've worked hard to develop that and I've had some incredible teachers over the years and I have, I have a small circle of people here who continually remind me to be honest with you, who, who love me, who, you know, um, uh, 
who boss me around. <laughs> uh, and I'm not the easiest person to boss around. Um, who will basically say, you know, look, here's a Sunday. We have nothing to do. Let's just rest all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, and I had a few illnesses. There's something called tick bite fever here, which I've had three times. Mm-hmm. The first time you really want to die. The second time you think maybe you should die. And the third time you decide it's all right, maybe you'll live. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. then I, I'm told I won't have it again. So I'm happy about that. Um, you know, I, my body will shut me down from time if I don't take care of myself. So I've learned to listen to my body. And I've learned to listen to the signals before they get too bad. And I'm happy to say that I haven't been that sick in a long time. That's great. Um, yeah. And that's my, my body has always been my indicator. And what's interesting here is I've lost, you know, I don't know, without trying like well over 50 pounds. Um, and inflammation that I had a lot of trouble with my body is going. You know, there's something about what I'm doing that is making my body very happy. And I think seeing my body happier and functioning better and not sick with chronic illness or, you know, that kind of thing has really made me listen to it more than when it was complaining all the time. Right. You know, right. um, it, it's like, okay, this is what equilibrium feels like, you know, this is, this is what is good. How do I maintain this? And so I've been, I've been playing with it. And part of the, um, it, it is not easy where I live. I mean, good, healthy food is a long, you know, hours away. Um, that kind of thing. Um, it's challenging in a whole bunch of ways. And so I'm, we'll be spending more time outside Durban and a um, place right on the ocean, which I love. Um, because I need in order to be the best I can be at what I do, I need that quiet reflective time. Sure. I need to be teaching meditation again and, and being with like-minded people in that regard. And so, you know, this has been a tough decision for me to make to not be here full time. Uh, And I think it's the right decision. I think ultimately it will benefit everyone. But it's a big, that is really the answer to your question is that, you know, I've learned that A, I get to be happy and B, you know, figuring out what makes me happy and what it is that I need in order to sustain this. Because truly, I hope to be doing this work for the rest of Well, and those are such powerful things that you're saying around, I get to be happy and look what happens when I am, that your body feels better. There's weight loss, there's whatever, you know, lack of chronic disease. And it's such a powerful testament to the fact that you're in the right place. And and something you said really struck me that um, the members of the community are calling you out on this. And I know that's the role of the, the go-go, the grandmother of, uh-huh. um, I don't know if that's the Zulu word, but um, go-go. yeah. And it's, it's such an amazing thing to be surrounded by community that helps you, that reminds you that your energy is important and that uh, mm-hmm. it supports you in doing that rather than the sense that there are, there's always need that you need to respond to. It's funny. I've always, I'm, I'm the eldest of four and I've always wanted a big brother and I've landed in a family where there are 14 boys. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Sorry to me. Um, and <clears throat> I have a lot of brothers and then I have some other brothers through, through other relationships and, um, and, uh, and, and they all very much want to take care of me. And I think that is truly so far, perhaps the biggest lesson that I've learned here because of the way I grew up and, uh, all of that. Um, I have not really let people love me, you know, looking back 
um, to the full extent that I could. Mm-hmm. And here, I'm very much accepted for who I am. Um, and I'm very, um, very, very well protected, very well taken care of. Um, there are go-go's in my life as well who do that. Um, and, and mamas and sissies and booty and, you know, it, it's, a it's an incredible gift being here. What do you think is open within you that has allowed you to receive all of that? From day one, I have been truly myself here. I've let people see me, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly. Um, uh, it's some people don't like it, and I trigger people, and particularly with the white community in this rural area, I because I spend all my time and my money and my love and my effort um, in the Zulu community, um, I um, that vastly offends people, um, some of them, and uh, has made it. Um, difficult for me to be part of that community, which is fine, uh, but a little bit sad. Um, in the city, it's it's quite you know it's quite different. Um, I, I because I'm giving so much, you know, I, I I the infinity symbol is a big symbol for me. Because I'm giving so much, I think I've almost have to allow people to love me, mm-hmm. so that that regenerates and I can send it back out. Right. Um, I, I think uh, my walls have just come down. There's something about this land. You've been here, you know. Mm-hmm. There's something about this land and this place and the creatures and the people. And 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 I am, I mean, you know, past life, whatever you want to call it, I am quite Zulu. And I always have been. My, my, my spiritual practice is everything. Uh, and so I think part of it may be just the sense that I'm home. You know, and I can be who I really am. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a powerful feeling. Yeah, yeah. If if you were to, um, if you were to share an experience ar- around an obstacle that you overcome in this process, because there's a, I mean, you've alluded to a few things, and and I think there's a tendency for for us to kind of whitewash it and say, oh, that's mm-hmm. awesome, she came from America, this wonderful opening experience in South Africa, but it's, there's, when you're, when you're trying to make a positive contribution and have impact, it's, um, you can bump up against some things and, uh, it's the, it's the way we move through them. I think where we can learn the most. So if you'd be willing to share an experience like that, I think it would be really, uh, inspiring for people. Sure. Um, there's something, uh, that is actually one of the biggest obstacles, one of the biggest difficulties. Um, and it, it doesn't, it, it actually is on the American side um, versus here. But when I, when I moved here, you know, as, as I said, this all happened rather suddenly, although it had been coming for years. I had been painting landscapes of these low mountains, not knowing what they were, and they're here. I mean, I drive by them every day, these things I've been painting for two years. Yeah. Um, you know, there were a lot of signs and, and my marriage was, um, um, there were, there were issues for a few years before I came. And that was part of why I came was to decide what to do. And, uh, and my daughter was in university at the time. So she was not privy to that information. You know, we'd not shared that with her. Mm -hmm. And, um, so unfortunately, 
she sees us splitting and this um, move to Africa, South Africa is all one and the same thing. And she has chosen um, not to have any contact with me at all. Mm. That must be heartbreaking. It is. Um, I have, I, I, I was pregnant several times, but I had one child who I devoted my life to, and I take full responsibility for the fact that given my lineage, I showed her a way that I wouldn't show her now that, you know, basically you sacrifice everything for your husband, for your children. And, you know, you put them before you in all cases, because that's what it was modeled for me and in, in, in a very martyry kind of way. And, um, I hope I wasn't as much of a martyr, but I'm not sure that I might not, I might've been maybe more, <laughs> I don't know. And, um, uh, and she had, you know, the, there were issues that we had that really required me to, to be home with her. And I, and I enjoyed that. And as I said, I had one, so, you know, I was happy to do it, but I did not, you know, your earlier question, I did not take care of myself or think about myself and, and resulted in a great deal of, you know, of, of illness and, and physical manifestations of that. Um, and it took me a long time. And I would say the last, maybe I was doing things for myself, maybe the last eight or 10 years, maybe before I moved here. But, um, she, she really learned that model. And unfortunately, you know, she didn't see that my happiness and following this dream and this strong calling was important. Um, because of what she's been taught, I think, by me and other people. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the, the way I've made peace with that, and, and it's been a huge struggle, and I still miss her you know, every day. Uh, and I hope this isn't a permanent thing, but it may well be. I don't know. Um, she's strong-minded like one of her parents. Uh, <laughs> or both. Um, and if the last thing that I taught my daughter is that the best thing that you can do for your family, for your community, for the world, is to make sure that you're happy, to follow your calling, to do what you came here to do, which doesn't preclude having a family, I don't think. I think that it can be done. Um, then that's a really good thing that I taught her that. Yeah, and uh, I mean, this, the messages that get sent, it's not all through conversation, it's through action. And uh, mm -hmm. yeah, whatever that, whatever that means for her is, uh, yeah. 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 Is, is that the, is that really, uh, if, if you had one message to share with people around, I want to, I want to have impact, I want to make a positive contribution is, is that the message or is there, is there something even larger? <laughs> that's certainly, I think that's certainly part of it. I think when you do what lights you up, when you do what really makes you insanely happy and, and it, it feels like it fills up your heart, then that's got to be good for everyone. Um, the other part of it, though, is that it doesn't have to look like this. You know, I gave up a lot um, to to come here, and I don't regret it for a minute. And I know I'm where I'm supposed to be, and I, so I'm at peace with it. But it can also look like, you know, volunteering at a homeless shelter once a month. It can also look like making room in your house to paint. 
you know, create something. It can, you know, it can look like so many things. And I think people hold back and don't do anything because they think they have to do everything. Um, when I look back, there's a trail of breadcrumbs that led me here. But I don't know that that trail of breadcrumbs for everyone has to lead you to something this drastic. Maybe it does. You know, right. I don't, maybe this is the new paradigm. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but um, but I, there's nothing wrong with, with small steps. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong at all. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really important message because it's, um, I mean, your your story is quite dramatic and, and it can mm-hmm. lead people to believe you have to basically upend everything. And I did the same oh, thing. Oh, I can't do that. Yeah, you know, oh, exactly. Do that. Exactly. So it's really about what what is it that speaks to you and those small things and how you show up every day, the way you, you spoke about. Um, it's powerful. It's, it's yeah. important and it's, uh, it has an impact. The book that I'm writing is called Belonging, but with a capital L, Belonging. Mm. Um, and I think that that's, you know, we come here with this longing to do something, each of us. And I've never felt like I belonged in my entire life. Um, and now I do. And I think that there's something about following that longing that takes you I know there's so many of us who are creative, who are bright, who don't feel we belong. And I think there's something about following that that leads you to the place where you do belong. Mm-hmm. Where you belong. That's that's such an amazing thing to hear that you, you feel like you belong. And I'm uh, I'm looking forward to your book. I, it's, uh, I, I'm, I think that, that sharing your story in that way is uh, will be really amazing. So, uh, yeah, keep me posted on that. Um, Thank you. Be happy to spread the word. So. Well, thanks. Krista, thanks so much for sharing your story and, and the work that you're doing. Um, I'm uh, so struck by a number of things that you're, one of your names there is the calling and you've really followed that with self-compassion and um, some, in, along a sometimes difficult road. So um, I think the way you've shown up there has obviously had a huge impact on that community and uh you're you're going to be spreading that even further so thank you for for talking with me today thank you thank you very much so if people want to get in touch with you what's the best way for them to reach you um right now uh because we are redoing the uh, foundation website the facebook page um uh, for the foundation, it's Saleto Gusle. I'm sure you'll write this down, but it's S I L E T H O K U H L E Foundation uh, is uh, likely the best way to reach me. That's the surest thing. Great. Also, it works on network. Our Wi-Fi is a little off and on here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great. So, um, thank you for the work you're doing in the world, Krista. It's uh, it's a huge contribution. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. I've enjoyed it. My pleasure. So join us for more podcasts on impact. Subscribe to the Work Alchemy podcast channel on iTunes or Stitcher Radio so you'll be notified as soon as new podcasts are available. Thank you to everyone listening for being here. Until next time, keep that positive flow of energy going in your business so you can have your own impact. Join the community of entrepreneurs like you by entering your name and email at workalchemy.com.